Um, I'll give you the details about the recording in a second. Okay. But anyway, like, I feel like it's that that we bury baby them is something that comes up a lot with me. And the more, now that I have a, a child, I'm like, there's... There's so much genetics part of it. There's so much social learning, and I can see that too. It's like all yeah. of the stuff that I've been studying, and I didn't do a lot of developmental psychology stuff, but but still, it's like oh my god, this makes so much sense. Like kids just pop up, the, pop out the way they are, and then like and then there's an interaction with like how we yeah. are. Yeah. But it's like I felt like that that I was like babying Asher because he like he still doesn't nap very well on his own. Like right. if I'm there, he he naps in a stroller because. Like, we don't put a... He won't go in a crib. Yeah. Um, he sleeps with us at night, which is, he sleeps, and that's fine. But, like, he goes in the stroller, and then um, if he wakes up and I'm there, it's like, he's on my boobs so that he can fall back asleep again. Because right. he never took a soother. And, you know, part of me is like, oh, should I have forced it? But he just... He wasn't that type of kid. Like, yeah. And I guess if I had sent him to daycare, then they would have forced it but that also wasn't my it's also style, yeah so. and kids behave differently at daycare too right? yeah it'll be different mm-hmm. but yeah I mean I felt like that I someone said recently actually about doulas in general they were like aren't we so precious these days yeah like we really are I was a yeah. baby like your son oh really so yeah Aww. and so like I have so much that's so good such to a hear place for people like that yeah. right like huh. um huh. I only slept on my mom hmm. I don't know I can't get the full story of when exactly it ended. Right. But I know I slept in their bed until I was four. Yeah. And I don't think I ever napped yeah. at all. Wow. Um, huh. So, yeah, I just feel like giving them what they need yeah. is like you should be empowered to do it. And I not, know. And it's not... I feel fortunate that we get to do this and like that... You could be home for Yeah, it and, and like, because my mom has them in the mornings and I have them in the afternoon. So, yeah, so we don't have to force him into that his a routine that's not for him at daycare yeah. so I definitely have been fortunate and yeah but but I'm also I got into a really interesting conversation with a friend of mine about like needs versus wants mm-hmm. and she's she's actually also a regular on my podcast okay. and so um, she's a doula too okay. and um but she has a you know like different she's like health economist so different background and and she was just talking about how She's asking, what's the difference between a want and a need? And I was like, well, I don't know that there is, like, much of a difference. And it depends on, like, where we're coming from. So, for me, it's, like, his, like, intellectual, cognitive, emotional development, like, sure, you could classify those as wants, but I actually think they're needs. Like, if you consider emotional, cognitive, and intellectual needs. I right. Mean, the basic need is that he survives and doesn't die, but I'm not parenting like that. Exactly. Like, I'm going way beyond that. Yeah. So, to me, they're all needs. And it's like... Yeah. Yeah, maybe he learns needs to learn that he doesn't get everything he wants, but but if he does get a lot of what he wants, is he going to thrive? Is he going to be more sensitive? Is he going to be, yeah. you know, a better interactor with the world and others and nature and everything, you know? For sure. I think that that's when, like, I think so many people I work with are like, oh, I love what you're talking about. I love the science um, and all that. But, like, when can I discipline? Yeah. Like, when can I do it? And yeah. it's like... First of all, it's, like, interesting that it's, like, people are so eager for it. Yeah. And I'm, like, rules are about safety. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And which is, like, you need to sleep for your safety. You need to eat healthy food for your safety. You need to yeah. not do dangerous things for your safety. But other than that, like, yeah. creating arbitrary rules about exploration is one. Yeah. Touching, like, nature and yeah. grass is another one. 
but like that's when you learn it right yeah. like then it's like it's like you know we're put, we're gonna go to bed yeah because we need that yeah to be healthy yeah and versus... then they become like <clears throat> healthy habits or yeah as opposed to like hard fast rules yeah and discipline so what's your thought on discipline like what do you say to them you just, like other that's it that right like having that yeah. conversation and like really going by so much of like I most I guess it's mostly Dan Siegel stuff right like yeah. you you have a rule and like they go through an emotion and you just are there for them during yeah. that emotion and it's like I know you're really upset you yeah. could only watch one video <clears throat> yeah. and you want to watch another one <laughs> so that's the difference between a need and a want yeah right like yeah how much screen time do you get like we get one video a day yeah totally um that's also part of safety and health and, like, a kid will break down if they can't watch more than one. But it's, like, the great opportunity for self-regulation, right? Yeah. Like, it's like, I, you know, I'm here. Like, I'm sorry. Like, that sucks. I, I feel... I know why you're frustrated. Yeah. We all want to watch TV all day, but it's not good for us. Yeah. Um, having those conversations. I feel like the language is a huge part of how I've... Like, his development of language is... Where, sort of where I started setting more boundaries because like I want him to understand and I know they understand a lot yeah. but I guess I want to know that we can communicate about it right. so that he actually knows what I'm saying and yeah. and I can see that way more now how old is he now? Two he's two, he just turned two, two. yeah, yeah. Um, and and I read Whole Brain Child or yeah. I listened to his audio book and I actually didn't really like Dan Siegel stuff no? before Yeah. but I love this book Right. I think like I read, did you read uh, Mindful Brain? No, that was. I think I've only read his developmental ones. stuff. I think. Okay. Um, mm. Full Brain Child and um, Parenting from the Inside Out. Okay, I haven't read that one yet, but <clears throat> I did actually really like it. I I, yeah. I think I resisted his stuff because I read it when I wasn't quite out of academia yet. Right. And I was just like, I don't understand what he's saying. Like, there's no details here, yes. and like, you know, because it's so holistic and so like. I don't even want to say theory because it's based on evidence, but like there's yeah. no like details for someone like us who wants to know that. So yeah. it was hard for me to digest, and so I just like resisted him entirely. And then now I'm like, oh it's yeah, better. that's really, really his good. cartoons are really good. I send oh, cartoons yeah? to parents a lot because mm. they're like they'll just act out like a scenario of like yeah. a kid's melting down, or they're like, I hate you, right? Yeah, and yeah. you say like, I know you're really really angry and frustrated that we're not buying you that toy yeah like yeah. and then distract basically right like he has yeah. like his things um i think he's pretty helpful with that. yeah he helped he me be a, a good science communicator too with his like upstairs downstairs brain thing yeah i use like a version of that yeah that's really good. a lot um but it's not just him actually the, i did a course at yale as well yeah. um with arietta slade who does okay. this minding the baby program yeah and there theoretical basis is reflective functioning okay so hmm. for like even starting from infancy and onwards where it's like um i know i'm understanding my child's behavior yeah is is caused by their emotions right and i can i can identify with those emotions and name them for them to help yeah. them understand and all my behavior is based on my emotions right. so it's not like you're being a brat or a diva yeah. or you're trying to manipulate me or you know whatever it's like no there's actually like anger or frustration yeah. or you know huh. on and on and on yeah that's good happening. I haven't come across her stuff but her stuff it's in her yeah, she, yeah I can send you in her article mm -hmm. she wrote a really good like review article hmm. 
And it, she uses like Peter Fonagy stuff, and he's like an analyst in the UK. Okay. Who started? I think it's mostly called reflective functioning. Hmm. Um, but it's the same. It's the same world as as Dan yeah. Siegel stuff, which is basically like having an emotional vocabulary yeah. with the kids, naming it, and like that kind of helps. Yeah. Develop self regulation and, and all that kind That's of really stuff. Interesting. But yeah, so with my dog the other day, someone also said to me. Um, I, I don't remember what the situation was, but I did something for her, and, and they're like, oh, that's a little spoiled brat dog, or something oh. like that. And I was like, can't we all just be respectful of each other? Yeah. I'm like, would you prefer I was mean to my dog? Like, yeah. would you prefer that I just, like, ignored yeah. whatever need she was having at the time? Like, yeah. of course I don't want her to have behavior that's going to annoy me, and she's not a person. Um, it's, but it's just, like, it's clinging to this, and I've actually had this conversation a few times in the past few days actually based on this interaction where people are like I think it's like the older generation like the baby boomer generation who are super defensive over mm. um, what, they, what did. they did yeah. so it's like oh well you don't need to do that like what, what are you doing that for where it's like yeah. they're not even aware of what they're defending but yeah. they're like I didn't do that so like why does and you turned out fine <laughs> or they or my kids turned out fine exactly exactly yeah. and there's so much more now so I know um, but it's interesting and then yeah so so many people have to fight that constantly with in-laws and their parents yeah. aunts and uncles friends whatever and then they have to you know then you some, eventually some people are going to get broken down by it right yeah I know totally and so some people I know are like no 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 I never let I don't let my kid cry at night but I tell everybody that I do Really, eh? Wow. More than one person I've met. Oh, my goodness. And some people who were in that Yale program, um, they were like, I always knew that it was wrong to ignore yeah. my kids at night. But, like, yeah. I told my family, like, no, yeah, of course I do. Of course I do. It's so interesting because that same thing's happening with co-sleeping. Right. Because people aren't saying that. I was actually having a conversation with someone at Ultimate, and she has a two-year-old, and we were just talking, and it was a boy, um... What, that doesn't matter just that's what we were connecting on yeah. and so and she was just talking about his sleep habits and she said you know and then we had to bring him into our mm-hmm. bed and I was like we co-sleep it's fine like, yeah. I'm okay with it and yeah. it's like she didn't she was testing the water she didn't know if it was okay to say that and yeah. I was like oh my goodness and then if you think about the implications of that with the healthcare system and all these nurses and doctors who are saying don't do it it's like do you really? And then that's part of the safety issue, right? Yes. Because everyone's going home thinking that you're not supposed to sleep, co-sleep, or they tell their doctors they're not, but then they don't do And like, they don't do safe. it safely. Yeah. Because yeah. they're like, oh, well, whatever. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's like, that's not a, good, a great argument to do something, but there's a lot of evidence that co-sleeping is completely safe if it's yeah. done safely, right? Like yeah. I James mean, McKenna should, stuff. And, yeah. And we should be having conversations about it. Oh, yeah. Like, deeper conversation yeah. about it. Someone else, I, another per- mother I was working with this week, um, her first child, she didn't co-sleep. The second kid, she's like, I'm doing it. I barely wake up at night to feed him. It's like a dream. Yeah. Another second mother I worked with this week, same thing. First kid, they didn't. Second baby, now she's doing it and, like, loving it. She's yeah. like, she's like, if he's oh. if she's in the side sleeper, it's an hour. She'll yeah. sleep an hour. If she's with me, it's four hours she's sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're so happy doing it. But then in the middle of a conversation, another person came over and she told the other person who's also a mom. And she's like, well, you know, we're co-sleeping. And the other mom's reaction was, I don't judge. I don't judge. Whatever's best for everyone. Meantime, that's Whatever's a judgment. Best. Yeah, exactly. Right. Wow. 
which was interesting because that other person was kind of like a hippie really thing so as well which is yeah it's very it's very interesting I think the I think the evidence helps people mm-hmm. um, one of the, the I went to this great um, in LA there's a doula association um, the, called DASC the okay. doula association of Southern California and they have like a teach-in day sometimes where they have mm. like speakers nice. so one person was I can't remember her name Sarah something she was a kangaroo care specialist oh yeah and even just that yeah. which is like having the baby on your skin like yeah. as long as possible right after the birth yeah and then her prescription was 90 minutes a day in the first oh, wow. like within the first year 90 yeah. minutes a day skin to skin wow. as a minimum prescription wow. as like what they can barely tell people to do right um but like ideally she'd want like four cycles of that because it's like a 90 minute sleep cycle or yeah. something um people are so hesitant they're like 90 minutes yeah wow. um and then the list of benefits, like all the scientific studies of kangaroo care, yeah. there's like two pages yeah. of just like one line references of like physiology, like heart rate, breathing, skin, uh, temperature, yeah. stress, even. Even if the baby's sleeping beside versus at the foot of the bed, mm. there's a huge difference really? in stress physiology and other physiology. Wow. So like just yeah. resisting that. Yeah closeness and everything is like another kind of societal yeah yeah that that's a thing it is yeah it is it's I find I have like healing that I need to do around that part because I feel like I didn't I didn't have him close enough like all the time yeah and I mean my my doula Nad was like, yes, you did. Like I yeah. saw he was and stuff, but I feel like, oh my god, they're, like I sh- he should have been on me all the time. Right. And like, and he wasn't. And part and it was it, part of it was me. It wasn't even like society at that. Yeah. Point, I don't think. But it was you like, need to recover too. Yeah. And my independence and like all of a sudden you're two bodies and I'm like, what happened to just me? Yeah. <laughs> you know. And yeah. so it was really hard. I think that's also something people aren't prepared for. Yeah. Right. I had no idea. Yeah. Like, and I love <laughs> breastfeeding. I. I had planned to do it. I was excited about it, and that was great. But then I was like, "Well, you know." And I thought kids go go in the swings and all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Asher didn't do that though. Yeah. Like he was like, he taught me to keep him close right. because he's like, "I'm not going in that thing." Yeah. Like, what am I supposed to do in that? Yeah, for <laughs> he's sure. He's sitting there with his eyes wide open, being like, <laughs> "What are you doing?" <laughs> you know? I, yeah, I was like that. That really? was me. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah so funny to watch them because he's like he's such an observer which you probably were too and I know like I know what everyone thinks their kids are smart and I think Usher's really smart in, in his ways and what he's been watching the world since he was born yeah. and just like it's amazing looking and, and yeah and he was that's why he doesn't sleep right he's like it is what it is yeah it's so funny to just watch them it is I mean you could imagine why so many people would have the intimacy yeah. issues, right? Like, yeah. um, do you think being prepared for it is a good way to, or you know, I guess you can never be prepared for it, but well, even to just know that that's part think, of parenting, or I think it is important. Like, I was actually just writing a blog piece. I'm so on my Mama Brain website. I've got like pregnancy I've got it in episode or sorry in seasons and okay. so my first season was pregnancy I've got that done and my goal is to get like three more seasons done by the end of the summer 
And so my second season was birth and postpartum. So like the fourth trimester. And then like go on to toddlerhood and all this other stuff. And right. I've been so struggling with writing the birth part because mm-hmm. like I, there's just been something holding me back. And I think like all there's a lot of healing that I need to do around that. Yeah. But I was writing a piece yesterday. So I started writing about my birth again. And I realized that um, that I wasn't prepared for a lot of it. And and I remember like years ago hearing about like the 40 days postpartum. Yep. And and thinking when I first heard that, that's crazy. Like you don't move. You're just with your baby bonding for 40 days. Yeah. Like, that's insane. And so and then by the time I was pregnant, I had been like in like the, the circles enough to like you know understand that this was important. And then from a physical health perspective my naturopath and I had had a plan for me to do the full like six weeks no running you know I was like yeah. planning to go to nationals yeah, in two, week, that, two months yeah. after and I'm like nope I'm recovering <laughs> and everything which was part of it it wasn't like the full bonding like stay in bed with your baby yeah. all the time but um so I was like somewhat prepared for that and that made a big difference because I see so I was just playing ultimate with someone she just had a baby two months ago c-section she's she was playing at regionals I didn't play like I did not run for six weeks after a C-section, and I'm like, how is she yeah, doing this? Yeah, most people like, don't do that. Yeah, yeah. and like I could have, I could have right. forced myself, and it would have killed me. Yeah. But thank God I had the like the knowledge, the education around me, the like people who are like minded on that to yeah. help me through that. And so that that was good. And, and some of the other major things, like even co-sleeping, like thank God I was like exposed to that mm-hmm. because I could have easily gone through life had I chosen a different path, never even knowing that was a possibility. Yeah. And and then finding it later. It was bad. Yeah. Yeah. And so like so prepared and just like being aware of these things, like. And I guess that's where, I mean, I was gonna say doulas do come in but you got to be aware of doula yeah <laughs> you know absolutely. and be open to it right yeah I do think that's part of what's really brilliant about social media and Facebook and being able to share experiences and yeah. a big part of why I want to share my experience is because I know some people won't agree with it and some people were like that's crazy like I did you know 10 years ago and then I guess it was more than 10 years ago now <laughs> but then it's like what if it plants the seed and then you know they start to think and it puts them into this new path of learning yeah. and then they do get more prepared for this yeah because I think I could have been prepared I think prepared. it's a feminist issue I do too like completely and that's when I, I met um, an Australian guy I was working for uh, an Australian family in LA yeah and uh, and the dad was like I, I love everything that you're talking about. This is all great. But he's the one who said, oh, but aren't we so precious? Oh, really? And I was like, yeah. My response then, like, luckily I could yeah. get it together because, you know, that's a big thing to think about. Yeah. But I was like, well, we are. Like, women yeah. have been giving birth in hospitals only for 100 years. Yeah. And before that, we really were precious. Like, we really were. Yeah supported by so many women in like birth and postpartum because people died and exactly yeah and we were so supported in hmm. taking care of babies and we'd see breastfeeding it wasn't like yeah. our own breastfeeding wasn't the first time we'd ever seen it yeah. um and taking care of babies and holding babies and sleeping with babies and all that stuff so i'm like maybe it is like a return to that yeah and like we are right like people remember these birth experiences forever yeah um and can be positively or negatively influencing yeah. for so long. It's funny that you say a feminist issue because I've 
um, actually one of the conversations I wanted to have was with Kelly from our online course right because I think I don't know if you were there in the class when she said she was mad yeah I love that comment yeah that stayed with me me too and I so I emailed her after and I was like can we have a conversation about this and so so she said she was mad that society I don't know what I heard was she's mad that society was set up so that she couldn't take care of her child or she had to put the daycare. village was gone basically yeah. yeah and I was like that's exactly how I feel and it for me it's not about the daycare because I do get to spend time with Azure but it's like I'm mad that there's these expect like I'm mad that like I'm cooking a lot of food for yeah. us but I don't have time for this but yeah. I think it's so important yeah so I'm mad that there's no support for this I'm mad that like I feel like I can't ha- I can't work full time and take care of my child like even like you know half days you yeah, know yeah. and and do all these other things and I feel like I've been led to believe I was supposed to have all of these things and I do think it's impossible yes and something needs to shift like and I do, so it's a, it is a feminist issue yeah. I don't think we all us women have to go back to those old ways but bringing the men in and making this like yeah where is the village yeah. like yeah. it's impossible I have my mom I could go on and rant I'm going to try yeah, not to but like amazing. I have an amazing mom who's here and supports me I yeah. have two best friends and their child who live upstairs and I still and another wonderful best friend who lives just on Broadview there and I still don't feel like I have like a full There's village a lot of people yeah. yeah and I know other people who have none of that yeah Absolutely. But, you know, we've got our, you go to work, you got to do this, you've got our routine just so that you can manage everything and it's hard to penetrate someone else's routine. Yes, absolutely. And, and I was like, we have these people around, but it's like, why aren't we just like all here hanging out at the park and the kids are playing, you know? Exactly. And you could all be, you know, like 10 of you could be on a laptop or two or with the kids yeah. and then change it around. And, exactly. You know, like there's so many ways of sharing. Yeah, like we went camping Life. with two of our friends who lived just down there, and that was actually really fun because it was a whole weekend, and we were all making food together, we were going on walks together, we were napping together, and so yeah. there's four adults and two kids, and we were all figuring out how to take care of them, and that actually felt more like the community than like just going and visiting one night, yeah. you know? absolutely. Yeah, I don't know how to recreate it beyond support groups and like... Yeah like groups especially for people with newborns like that is maybe there but then it's even still like you are all living in different places and yeah. you're still getting out of a house is really hard yeah and sometimes you need support not just Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m. when your group meets yes <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely I mean I feel like that's probably part of the reason why groups of friends tend to have babies together yeah as well like it kind of like yeah which is good and bad I mean so my best friend had her baby three weeks after I did it was great being pregnant together but we're just sort of getting into like the kids are amazing together yeah. and they've clearly got their relationship and that is great but it's been hard on all of our relationship because I couldn't support her when she had her right newborn. she you couldn't had support your own. me yeah yeah like I'm looking forward to her having her next child because then I can support you know yeah yeah it's it's been hard and so yeah it's really tough. I think the partner's role, you mentioned that, that is like a huge, huge thing that people need. And if people don't have that, and I've been surprised. I've seen a lot of really old-fashioned partnerships yeah. that you wouldn't expect. Yeah, I bet, eh? Um, that, uh, yeah, you're kind of surprised. On the other hand, I've seen so many like beautifully equal yeah. relationships where the father's 
yeah. really involved. Um, I know. I. But it's yeah. Mike stayed home for four and a half months when that's Asher amazing. Was born. I know. And because it's available, like he, yeah. So he took. I didn't get maternity leave because I was self-employed, right. and so, um, so he took four and a half months, and it was amazing. And like that's available. I think that's actually really important. That's for huge. like getting more equality in all of this yeah in childcare and everything and then I hear and I'm yeah I just I hear of people whose partners are going to take two weeks off and I'm like I would have died yeah. like I don't know and then is it raining just a little bit um yeah that's that's pretty that's pretty tough two weeks <laughs> and that you know a friend of mine that's what her partner did and she was in the emergency room with anxiety attacks you know, a, m- a month and a half after the baby was born. Yeah. And I was talking to her, and she's like, I can't, I can't handle it. Like, you know, and then she's having the baby on her and trying to. And like, you've got to, you've got to just wear the baby so you've got hands free. Yeah. You know, because she's yeah. like, I can't go to the bathroom. I can't make food. Yeah. You know, and you're there all the days are long when you're by yourself with a newborn. Yeah. So. Yeah, that I think is. <laughs> is really really the hardest yeah um to not have anyone around yeah and you really need a lot of luxuries not to not to for it to be that way right now yeah for sure more in the states for sure i, I can't even imagine i think about you like you might mu- like you you need i mean you don't need to afford a nanny but you i don't know what you do when you're going back to work like three months is a generous amount of time that people have off i know after giving birth and what oh. I've seen mostly is, is nannies. And in New York City as well. Mm-hmm. Um, people took a couple weeks sometimes. Oh, oh my God. So that was, that was it. You were saying, like, the, I was reminded of this before. When I was um, at the end of my time at Columbia, I was like, oh, I think I want to have a family soon. Like, how does that look like in science? Yeah. So I talked to a bunch of women. Yeah. And it was like, no, no, no. Three, a month is a huge amount of time to take away from your science. That's what you take. That's what we do. And someone else takes care of your baby. It's way easier to be in the lab than to um, take well, care yeah, of the baby. Well, yeah, it is way easier. I'm sure it's great. <laughs> I'm sure it's way easier, right? Oh, my God. Um, which is so interesting because I don't know how aware all these women were that I spoke. They were all mostly in neuroscience, but how much they were aware of the research of early life experience. Yeah. Right? It's like... Probably not. Probably not. Or they didn't want to be. Yeah. Or whatever. But I'm like, how can that? How can that field? I mean, it's tough that field. But I know. Not be supportive of women. Um, and not be supportive of babies. I know. I know. This is the. This is why it's an issue. Like. Yeah. And I don't know. I do want to solve it, but I don't know how it's going to get solved anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, I guess I think. I don't know. I mean, I I am a pretty big advocate that the feminist movement has sort of done a lot, and now we do need to like recruit men or the other absolutely other part, other genders or whatever to get involved because it's we've hit a point where we can't go any further. I don't think. Yeah. Because it isn't just a women's issue. Like it might be a feminist issue, but it's not just women's. No. It's like a societal a society. issue. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. But I do have to say. A lot of the, the 
families I've worked with with men, like they've been, some of them have been like really, really amazing. Yeah. Actually, and yeah. Involved. I've had some really good mentors, like parenting mentors. I Several of my friends who are actually, now they think of it all back in Halifax, mm-hmm. they were all like highly educated. Like one was a ENT surgeon, one was a dentist, one was a naturopath. Um, all of them had husbands who they had partners who were men so husbands um, who stayed home and I don't like not necessarily right after the baby was born but at some point were like the stay at home dads Mm -hmm. and it was so inspiring for me to see those people they were also educated men they just for whatever reason it worked out that they stayed home and and which is amazing yeah it's because the women are getting supported the kids are getting like parent parental care like yeah. good parental care yeah and the role of the dad's really important yeah. so working with people one like topic I always go over like pre like before the baby is letting the dad do stuff yeah because I think your <laughs> like you know your um brain completely transforms yeah and part of that is that like drive to like yeah. I know how to do it you don't you know whatever it is like that's like how people naturally go and it's some people it's not a lot of work some people it's a huge amount of work to be like he can put the diaper on yeah and like that's okay like that's not like even just like that small part of care and so in in situations where the mother can't relinquish any control yeah it's horrible for the relationship yeah I bet for the Adults, and it's horrible for the relationship between the baby yeah. and the father as yeah. well, right? Like, it's funny because when I, so Mike stayed home for four and a half months, and it like we were we just shared everything except for breastfeeding, really. Um, and then when he was going back to work, I said, "I'm really nervous because I'm going to establish my routine, and then I'm going to think I know how to do everything." Right. And so I was very aware that this was going to happen, and so like I preemptively told him this and said like how can we make sure that I don't think this or or maybe I do tell you some of the you know trades that I tricks of the trade that I've learned and share them with you but not in a like do it this way but you know this is just what I've noticed since I've been home with them all day or whatever Um, and I was really nervous about that and and I do like I consciously have to like pull myself (laughs) back and like this last weekend I went away for my first weekend away oh. so two nights and I left a bunch of food and Mike was like you know we're just gonna eat out and like right. do all this other <laughs> stuff and I'm like that's fine like you do whatever like he's been so involved that like I don't really have to worry but I had like thankfully I went away and played ultimate so my mind does get occupied with yeah. other stuff yeah. um, and so I just had to like let it go and so it's good like even if you know Mike has like Mike does all the bedtime does all the bath and all this stuff and so giving him like like purposeful roles and then literally taking myself out of the equation for like a whole day on the weekend every once like mostly but I want to spend my time with them too so it's it's challenging but but yeah like having to to do that so they find their own routines together yeah that's another another like huge thing that is important as well is like doing things for yourself right so if if your partner can't do bath time, bedtime, yeah, meal, like anything. Yeah. And when are you ever going to go for a walk or yeah. see a friend or anything, right? So that that's another reason why it's so yeah. beyond 
all the other reasons. Yeah, it's no, so important. I think it is. And then, you know, you end up, well, I read, you know, blogs and stuff, and I read, I read this one yesterday, and it was just, like, this mom saying, like, all the things that she does, and I'm reading it thinking, like, yeah, I know, a lot of people say this, but you're not letting your partner do some of mm-hmm, these things. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes, yeah, sure, we've got to ask, but that's because their brain just shuts off if they get everything done for them yeah i would do that yeah you're gonna do everything for me i'm not gonna think about it for sure so and even letting the partner do things and you can still be there yeah i got them be in charge of bath time and you're just like smiling there enjoying it and not worrying about it whatever it is um when people do find that balance like even if it's a struggle all like throughout yeah it's so freeing yeah. for everybody, right? That's great. So you're you're working for a lot of people, eh? Like mm. You've had a lot of clients. Yeah. Um, and are these mostly in LA or some in Toronto and some in LA? Okay. Yeah. And so, what's your like model? Like, you're are you attending births or doing mostly like postpartum yeah. coaching type stuff? So, I've done everything up yeah. to now. The future of my business is I want to do um, a brain health kind yeah. of like through the spectrum of pregnancy, birth, and infancy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So my ideal thing is people will find me early yeah, and then take a... Get prepared. Get prepared <laughs> find, and do this, um, like a pregnancy brain health workshop with me. Right, yeah. Um, where I basically talk about the emotional brain in the parents right. and like brain balance basically. Yeah. Um, like I can sort of like try to use Dan Siegel's model yeah. to explain to people like we have an emotional brain and cognitive brain and they can be in balance or out of balance and yeah. what kinds of things like mindfulness and self-care and other things that can bring our brains back right. into balance. Um, and then a bit, and then depending on the person, I'll either follow up with them or yeah. not. So some people, okay. one of my one of my clients here was like very strict person so I sort of did everything with her and she's like yeah I meditated every single day while I was pregnant like she was just like a checklist person so she's like I meditated every day I read this one book that you took to my baby while while I was pregnant um and I had a relaxation song that I did and now the baby responds to all those things now the baby's born which is amazing and so cool to see um and yeah, I don't, and th- yeah, so basically that would be it. They would do a pregnancy workshop with me, and then like a month or two later, I'd like to do an infancy brain health workshop. Okay. And in that case, I'm talking about how the parent regulates the child's emotions and yeah. all the other things to be aware of during infancy. Right. Um, mostly stressing the importance that the emotional system is developing in infancy. Yeah. And we're, to nurture it. <laughs> we need to be nurtured. Like, exactly. Like, we, you know, are like take our sponges for experience yeah. and it's experience every day is very important. Yeah. That's and great. that workshop is really fighting against a lot of the things that we started this conversation with, right? Like mm-hmm. need a need for independence from day one. No. Yeah. Dependence creates independence. Yeah. And independence in the beginning creates like a dependence, you know, yeah. Person. Um so there's a lot of myths. There's a lot of myths. So That's trying great. to work with that. And and also I find, I think, I hope, like, that people knowing, like, kind of imagining that they're building these structures in the brain by what they're doing in infancy, like, yeah. makes it feel good, right? Because a lot of the things I talk about 
are not weird like science weird interventions they're all what we like innately do Um, and society's kind of gotten in the way of that and being like don't listen to your gut you're going to spoil the baby if you do. Um, so, yeah. So, that's that workshop is, like... Yeah. I, I like people to know and know the science because they're going to come up against so much resistance in the world. Um, and I, like... I don't know if you directly talk about this, but just, like, getting people to understand that we used to think babies were not really, like, humans. Like, they were exactly. just, like... Yeah, and now we're realizing how much they're taking in and how much experiences are important for their, like those early life experiences are actually developing them. And so it's not, it's not spoiling. It's like training them in this good way. Exactly. (laughs) By nurturing those systems that are developing. Yeah, that's a really important thing. Like one, and then, yeah, and then, and birth, like even in birth, like when I see, um, like normal birth pictures like people are like like the baby's wrapped up it has a hat on and like wrapped up in a burrito and like pretty much the second it comes out like 20 family members are in the birth room and it's being passed around like an object and I'm like I'm like you need to greet the person that the baby is right so so people love this and like even people who I wouldn't have thought would be into this idea they're like oh yeah." yeah right like just even one client I just I recently worked with I was like I'm like just I would like consider taking an hour with the baby to meet them talk to them say hello like just meet them and they texted me and they're like we spent five hours alone with the baby before we called our family yeah and like that was amazing right and if without that suggestion I wonder if it would have been like a burrito baby Um, it's just the difference between it being like an object it's like look we have one it's a thing versus like you, a baby is that individual, is that person from the second, yeah. from before they're born. Yeah. And just to respect them as what they, you know, who yeah. they are, right? Like, I think that's really, and that sets the stage for respecting them yeah. onwards. Um, yeah, it's not like this magical time where they're just like, oh, they're human now. Right, exactly. <laughs> like exactly. They, they have been. And they respond to emotions and words. Yeah. Um, I listened to this really great podcast with this guy, Ray Castell- Castellano. He's okay. a craniosacral therapist. He oh, works yeah. with babies a lot. Um, and he went... So as a doula, I usually will tell, like, write up a birth story for the family. Oh, nice. And talk to them about it after, like, from the baby's uh-huh. point of view. I write the birth oh, story. Really? It's, like, really cute. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. It's really cool. Um, but he, in his podcast, he, he's like, when oh. I talk about the birth story, I ask the baby for permission. Wow. So I say, like, baby, is it okay? If, like, like, our friend Mandy's here. Like, is it okay if I tell her your birth story? Yeah. Just wow. respecting them as an individual from the beginning, right? Like, yeah. can I pick you up? Yeah. That's, uh, we, I had planned to have an um, osteopathic appointment with Asher within, like, the first week yeah. that he was born. Um, and so that's where I learned that because the osteopath who was working with him started asking right away can I do this to you can I do oh, that interesting like, whoa and it wasn't something I had actually consciously thought yeah. of yeah and I was like oh that's amazing I wonder if they have had heard of Ray because yeah. he's a pretty big guy yeah yeah maybe that's really interesting yeah and yeah. that set the tone for you know my interactions and then you know and then you read more about it and you know I was reading another blog where they're saying even like 
you know, you want to, there's snot in their nose. Like, mm-hmm. now it's toddlers, mm-hmm. and you're, like, you want to just get that really quickly, and so you come from behind, and you do that. Yeah. And you're, like, that's not really respecting their bodies or whatever. And, and you know, I, I, he's two, and, like, he's not, yeah, anyway, we communicate a lot. He's not, like, he's not talking, like, a whole lot, but yeah. he's communicating. And, and even... Like now, like he, he went through a period where he didn't want to get his clothes put on. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, this was a conversation with my friend where it's like, is this a want or a need? And I'm like, I actually think that it's a need. And so I would have conversations with him and say, okay, why don't you want me to put this on right now? Or can I, can we just do this? And I realized that he, he had eczema. And wow. so it was hurting him. Yeah. It wasn't just that he was like, you know, lashing out or trying to rebel. Yeah, trying to make yeah. you yeah bad or whatever someone would say yeah yeah so there's that or he like if he's about to poo he doesn't want me to change his diaper so he's not fighting me right because like he so he was a type of kid that you run he runs around and i'd have to like chase him <laughs> trying to put his diaper on um but it went he also just will lay down now so he's like okay i'm ready and if he's not doing that he's like i'm about to poo so like i don't want you messing around right with me. and like all of that is just like the progression of that respect that I think we're trying to do by figuring out you know yeah and so I'm always asking him like why not and you know he had a meltdown today because he wanted something from the dishwasher and I'm like well what why do you want that yeah so we ended up giving him a different thing because he just wanted to put it in and you know and it's just these little conversations yeah even though you think that you're not communicating you are just because it's not words or it's yeah. not full language early on it's just this relationship and it's even harder when they're a baby baby when they're an, uh, a newborn right like they look like a blob yeah right <laughs> you're like yeah. you're like they're not understanding it but it's like i'm like speak to your baby not as if because they do they are getting everything yeah. right like speak to them as if they're a fully formed person who understands every single word you say right so yeah. Some people think it. Some people are like, when I'm mad at them, can I like yell at them in like a happy voice? Like, I'm so annoyed with you right now. I'm like, no, but you're allowed to be real. You're yeah. allowed to have a full expression of emotions. You can say like, I'm really frustrated right now that you're yeah. crying, yeah. or like, I'm really sorry that you're crying right now. That hurts. I know. Right? Like, you can just. There's no hiding. There's no like fake. Yeah. you need to have. Like, you can just have an open dialogue. Totally. Um. I, having done that I'm like always explaining things and talking to him as if he knew a lot of people comment on how he seems to get so much like right. he you know again he's not he's not like talking himself a lot but he's communicating and he understands like I I just talk to him normally and ask him to go do things right. and I just assume he's going to know and if he doesn't he'll look at me and then we'll re-explain it or whatever mm-hmm. and he, he gets so much and I think it's because we've been doing that yeah. you know yeah. He's also, like, so I taught him, like, a good amount of sign language, and he s- makes up his own sign language, so even though he's not always saying things, he'll come in, and he'll, like, demonstrate things with his hands yeah. to try to explain to me what he's trying to say if he yeah. doesn't know the words for it. That's cool. So, yeah, it's, it is pretty amazing. Again, all this stuff, I had no idea. So I guess that's why, you know, other neuroscientists who you were working with don't value this, because I didn't. Like, if you don't consider developmental stuff like because you know I probably only took I took a developmental psychology course and I took a developmental neurobiology which is totally different yes and at least at the time it was you know so I never I really had to come to all of this stuff not from a neuroscience perspective but from another perspective 
more of a holistic understanding, you know, therapies, health, whatever, yeah. and then put them together, which is probably how you did this too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was, I was always interested. I was interested in the beginning of like enrichment because you know all the environmental yeah, right. enrichment stuff, right? And yeah. I was like, which I oh, was well, too, enriching so I the set, but, but it's, it, it is a bit separate. Though, yeah. Because that stuff's all like sort of social and sensory yeah. enrichment True. can like you know if you have and for intelligence gene, exactly so yeah. if you have a gene for a memory deficit that can help yeah or yeah there wasn't enough strong genetics I think then for like depression models yeah. and that kind of stuff but then yeah over time I would just be like whoa the power of environment is huge yeah. I used to think it was sensory and yeah. play but then I got into the, the more of the subfield of the yeah. development of the emotional system and experience. Yeah. So there's a, there are a lot of a lot of basic science labs doing it. Um, yeah. Now. Now. Yeah. And maybe it had been then, but they were it was quieter. Like it wasn't. Yeah. As big a deal. And I don't. This, this is a really good thing to talk about because I don't know. The stuff that I talk about in my workshops is kind of like some people are like, whoa, well that's a lot of responsibility. But it's like, is that why people haven't been talking about it? Like, is it yeah. like? It's like your hmm. so much of your mental health is very dependent on your experience in these early years. And is that is it not talked about it because it's like putting too much pressure on people? Like I feel like cut the crap. Yeah. Like that's a real thing. Like whether you know this or not, you're still impacting the yeah. mental health. I that's I never thought about like how other people might respond to that, but I think that's it because so when I spiral down and I'm like totally like like I I still have moments where I'm like I have to leave like even yeah. two nights ago I was like Mike not like leave just for tonight it's like I have to leave like I cannot right. be this person's mom yeah. because it is such a responsibility totally. and I think because I know all this stuff like I I do feel like I'm supposed to be this perfect mom which I know everyone does but for me it's it's grounded in this yeah. stuff and yeah. I'm like how can I like take this responsibility any less seriously like I should be devoting everything and so we get Mike and I get into these like you know arguments about it and he's not arguments but he's like you don't have to be perfect but anyway I because being perfect isn't part of it right right it's not and that's like it is a natural feeling to want to be that way but it's like like it's devastating to me to think like that's part of why I haven't healed with some of the stuff early on because I'm like you know like I realized that Mike would take him out in the stroller and I was like we kind of did cry it out in the stroller and I didn't mm. realize we were doing that right. and I'm like I can't take that back yeah. like I'm and I'm like so mad at myself and you know and you know they'll be healing but yeah absolutely but you know the whole thing is like the gestalt yeah. experience right like but if he if he overall knows you guys are responsive yeah. and it completely sounds like but he does but it would be easier to just be like doesn't matter yes those things don't matter yes. that'd be way easier on my heart on my brain yeah on my head yeah so I can totally see why people would do that consciously or unconsciously yeah I mean I it don't think tough. we can ignore it because we know <laughs> yeah. but yeah you're right and and this actually is impacting a lot of conversations because a lot of times when I'm trying to figure out what am I supposed to do or I want to do this, the response people give me is, he'll be fine. Right. And I hate that response. I hate that. Yeah. I don't want him to be fine. You want like, him what to is, thrive. Yeah. Like, what does fine mean? He doesn't die? Yeah. No, I know he's not going to die. Yeah. 
but that's not what my aim is. Yeah. I mean, that's what pediatricians are giving people. They're like, oh, your baby's four months. They're not going to starve if you ignore them at night. Yeah. Here's a lit. Here's a protocol of how to ignore them at night. Right. Yeah. It's actually not. And only some babies are fine. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's not okay. Yeah. Being fine is not. Is not good enough. Excuse. It's not good enough. But I think the way to deal with like the huge amount of like responsibility that you're feeling and like people feel about about this early life stuff once you know it is is like Winnicott's like 70 30 thing right like you're yeah. good enough 70 percent of the time yeah and when you're not you can repair yeah so when I was here last year I also worked um I did a seminar with um two people who ran uh, parent-infant psychotherapy at the Hanks Delcrest mm-hmm. and repair an apology is mm-hmm. so healing and goes so far with kids mm-hmm. so like let's say you're, you're feeling guilty with that stroller thing yeah. tell him Yeah. be like when you were a baby yeah. you know you were crying so much and we didn't know what to do yeah. and we took you for a walk and like <laughs> I'm sorry you had to cry that much right like the, yeah. there's room for repair like I feel yeah. like it is this huge responsibility and you cannot do it perfectly yeah. nobody can you can do I it 70 percent yeah. perfect and then you can repair yeah. right like it's you know whether they have this like um you know n- memory of it what's or not like whether it's like implicit yeah. explicit memory doesn't matter yeah. right like it's that it can, is everything actually, can be healed and yeah and that actually i mean you can even ground that in neuroscience and say like we know that the brain changes we know we know humans are very resilient, so you're you're creating these foundations, um, and yeah, it's going to deviate. You're going to deviate from that sometimes and be inconsistent yep. with it, but there's still a foundation. There's still like a pretty good structure there, and so those deviations, you know, can be dealt with and can be repaired or whatever. Exactly, and memories liable in some yeah. ways. Yeah, like, right. And also, yeah, I'll just keep telling right? him that that didn't happen. I'll yeah, exactly. Well. And you went to Disney World. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> Consolidation. <laughs> um, yeah, what was I going to say about that? Uh, repair. Sorry. <laughs> oh, I can't remember now. I don't matter. I'll think of. I'll think of it. Yeah. Also. But yeah, that's so like that's one. that's it, right? Like, there's so many. Oh yeah, this is what I was going to say. I think the big, the the most important thing, and and it like wouldn't like related to to that experience is um when your kid loses control of their emotions like whether whether that's like positive or negative they know that they can they can unconditionally go to you so the way that I teach it to people is like their emotional brain is like go 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 and they don't have the regulatory systems they can they can't calm down from arousal so if a kid knows like because that feels horrible to be overly aroused like positive or negative if they know they can like get proximity to you their their access to proximity is unlimited and they can have those emotions be calmed at any time yeah they're fine like that's what that's when they're fine right right? yeah yeah um so obviously like cried out and all these things is not like you know challenges the emotional system it does but like that i think is the key to to early life experience when they're like i'm not sure if i have access to that physical calmingness then it's like i need to be anxious because it's like how does how does she feel right now what is she gonna do is she gonna like will she give me a hug now like i don't know like do i have to like 
smile really nice for her to get the attention? Do I have right. to ignore her to get the attention? Do I have to? So then, like, all of their cognitive resources are dedicated to how am I going to, like, just get this basic need met? Right, because I'm still going to get figure out how to get this met because I need to as a child. Um, but it's going to be a lot of effort. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what's, like, the, that's what's, like, the difference between toxic and acute stress, right? Like, right. that or, like chronic and acute right if you're like chronically like I don't know I don't know if I'm gonna get it like um and then you can't focus on all these other developmental milestones that you're trying to reach like your physical development or just understanding how the world works together and it's like yeah I can't you don't even how would you even trust that parent yeah for anything right if they're not even gonna offer that yeah like that's the most important thing for for kids I think from like the neurobiology anyway right like their hippocampus and prefrontal cortex is non-existent like and those are the parts where glucocorticoids go to shut off stress so like i say the parent is an external part of their brain that they don't have like they're still like it's still like the in the fourth trimester and beyond even we and that's the other thing too is people like want babies to do things that adults can't do yeah like deal with it on your own like you oh you're going through a really hard time just be alone and like figure it out right like what adult does that we have so many ways of getting help from other people I know even if we don't recognize it I mean yeah we're so like socially connected with someone usually and if we're not that's when we have mental health issues like that's when people are on the street and you know a whole bunch of other problems so yeah I know. <laughs> or they turn to drugs or whatever it is, right? And people forget that we actually, as adults, do figure out how to soothe ourselves with r- right or wrong yeah. means. But yeah. we, we don't just sit in a, like on a bench by ourselves and try to soothe ourselves. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The one other th- actually, now I thought of something that I was thinking about before that I see a lot with parents is not allowing free exploration. Mm-hmm. So that's the other thing. I'm always like, you know, if like a kid's like grabbing grass and eating it, and they're like, parents are like, no, 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 no. I'm like, I'm just curious. Why don't you want them to do that? Yeah. And they're like, oh, I don't know. I like, know. Let it happen. And and that, appreciate them for being like little scientists, right? Like another person I was working totally. with recently, her kid was, I was just like talking to her about stuff, and her kid was taking like a toy or like a thing and then opening up a drawer putting it in closing the drawer yeah and like repeating it over and over and over and she's like stop it like don't do that like you're like that's wrong like don't do that and I was like let's like break down what this kid's doing yeah right like yeah it's like she's slamming the thing over and over but like look he's learning that when he closes the door and opens it again something's still there yeah right like that's a huge Thing. So this I This is also like I think this comes back to like the you know the not just the village but like having space to do that and which is one of the things I'm thankful for I guess maybe as a scientist but also having being home with Asher for a lot of the time like letting him do all that yeah. shit and get dirty. Yeah, like making a mess and like he's you know sometimes I don't want him to pour things on the floor but sometimes he, a lot of times he is yeah. and and I could see like other people being like, "Don't let him do that," or like trying to like literally run behind him and like contain it. And yeah. I'm just like, it's fine. I'm just on clean it up once. Yeah, like I'm constantly 
doing things and like surveying like okay is this an okay mess because I'm my tendency is to let the mess happen yeah. and then be like okay this one I don't have time for so right. we're gonna have to like you know channel this energy some other yeah, way yeah. but like <laughs> and like really looking through their eyes because you know a lot of times I'm like about to say no and then I'm like why no yes is it me yes. do I just not want to deal with this because what's he learning yeah I think yeah that that's my scientist parent mind coming out and yeah. watching the world from his eyes yeah like even just the most typical example of dropping something off of the yep. table over and over yep. and over again people are like what a brat yep. like why are they doing that so much it's like that's a huge learning experience yeah um. <laughs> I know like gravity he was like like a lot of kids like he was like throwing stuff off the table a lot and then I watched him and he was doing this and then he put a hand underneath there because he hadn't done that before he hadn't caught it before yeah and I realized why he kept doing this because he sees me doing this all the time to brush off the table but I've got the hand here and he just couldn't coordinate those two things and then when he did that I was like oh my god this whole time not the whole time sometimes he's throwing stuff for our dog but like which is also whatever fine but like he was just trying to like repeat what I was doing like he thought he was helping yeah you know and and yeah I got mad sometimes because it was annoying but like being able to have the space to sit back and just watch what he's doing and try to see the world from his eyes yeah like it just allows you to see what they're learning so yeah it's a huge such an important thing to learn frustrating as, a, as, as a hell, kid yeah but I'm really messy <laughs> yeah so messy yeah one of my friends uh runs a sensory play thing for toddlers yeah. it's called um smart cookie club oh yeah and she finds that like a lot of mothers are like horrified with a mess because all of their stuff is messy right it's all playing with food playing with paint and textures and all the stuff and they're yeah. like oh god like clean and then she sees the kids with like they're like oh. no my hands are dirty like they can't yeah. take it because like yeah. they've been conditioned to like right. and that's bad and wrong yeah um so at least they're taking the class I we know. get a little bit of it but I think that that's a really important that was in the <coughs> a continuum concept I think I told you about oh, that book a yeah, long time yeah. ago yeah that was yeah. just like let them freely explore yeah maybe yeah, not you to were the talking, extent of that book yeah because you're talking about the knives yeah exactly I thought about that for a while after actually and like and then we started letting him play with knives like butter knives and yeah. then like he's like learning to cut a few things that's cool stuff. yeah yeah which is cool it just it takes me being present like yeah. I if I if I am not present then that's when he can be dangerous yes. or it can be like the wrong type of mess or whatever but as long as I'm there with him yeah it's okay it's like okay it's what do you just, think about like creating like having your living room or whatever be as like safe as possible like you know well, like well we don't there's always it. things. Yeah, there's always things. We so I actually haven't done a lot of safety measures. Yeah. Um, because he's never not with us. Right. And part of it is that I don't want to create a false safety. Because yeah. Now that's like continuing. Is it okay? Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, if I like plug up, I mean, whatever. We plug up some of the electrical things. But if he, if I plug that up, or if I think that they're not gonna that everything's safe then I'm not going to watch him and then he's going to get hurt right so he's just always within our eyesight yeah and it doesn't mean he's always with us but he's playing and I always know what he's doing and I'm watching so 
Yeah, I don't... One thing that bu- that really bugs me is when people are like, no, we're not taking our breakable stuff down. Yeah. And sharp things and all this kind of, like, just, like, very <coughs> unfriendly environments. Right. And they're always like, get away from there. Yeah. Don't do that. No, no, no. And then it's like, what's that doing to their exploratory system? Like, yeah. their dopamine reward yeah. system, like, on a fundamental level, right? Like, it's like... You're not being reward like you don't have your internal rewards for exploring or curiosity or asking questions. Yeah. Or- we don't have anything in our in our space that he can't play with. Yeah. If we're there. Yeah. So he. He's good. Yeah, and it's funny because we were out for dinner one time, and um, the person we were with, like, he was just walking along the bench, and the person was like, "He's gonna fall. He's gonna do this," and like really like like worried about yeah. it. And I'm like, "It's fine." I'm like, "He might fall." Yeah, which then he, he probably would hurt himself. Balance better. Yeah, exactly. Like, and I, I was pretty sure he wasn't going to, yeah. and it wouldn't be like devastating. Yeah. if he did. But yeah, he's, yeah, and I can see other people just like trying Hovering. to move everything away from, like, even with Asher, like, they're like, oh, quick, he's gonna do this, and it's like, yeah, he might pick up that glass, but he also uses glass, like, mm-hmm. you know. But, but then we we redid our kitchen, so I got a linoleum floor because I'm like, I don't, I want to make it so that. I'm not shattering glass, but right. I don't want him to stop picking stuff up. Right. You know? That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I I really try to stop saying no because it's yeah. just me. Yes. And yes. we also don't have a special play area. Yeah. Because that's like one we don't have space for, but I don't want that anyway. Like, I was going to say that, like, the next thing to say about all that is like, another thing people are always like is like why do I buy all these toys it's like they don't want toys they want car keys mixing bowls totally what what do you do you work in the kitchen yeah they're like I want to do the things that they're doing you always have keys you always have sunglasses yeah and hopefully not a cell phone yeah but that too (laughs) yeah they just want to do they want to copy what they see and do what you do right like toys are kind of like useless not all of them no, Some but a lot good, of them. But are. a lot of them. Are. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like we, he started helping me make biscuits, and at first I was like, well, I really want to make these biscuits, so I would just put like flour in a, or I actually had this old um, bin of flour that he could play with, so it was like his flour, so I didn't ever use it to cook. Right. Um, but it looked the same, like it was everything, and then he'd have his own little bowl with mixing, and then then he started mixing mine, mm-hmm. and then we would like work together, but you know, it was it was real stuff. I loved doing that when I was little, too. I remember doing that. But you know what's kind of, like, kind of effed about it? Is that I still get, like, I worry. Like, oh, I don't don't have enough toys for him. And it's like, where is this coming from? This is, like, seeing other people and all this, like, marketing of toys and stuff. And it's like, or I I worry, like, oh, we're spending too much time at home. Like, he goes out every morning. But a lot of times he wants to stay at home. He wants to just play in the kitchen and do things and you know the last few days he's been taking these very specific um Tupperware things out and building something mm-hmm. with them and like he just happened it's to notice project. these ones yeah yeah exactly it's his project and he's finding things around all the time yeah but I feel guilty it's like this like is which stupid. toys like like the like, like dolls and yeah like that I should that right. I feel like I should yeah. get I'm like well anything it's just like I don't have this big playroom for him yeah you know yeah. it's like I don't want that but then I get these messages like but he, I feel like even the playroom is like another vestige of like Victorian parenting but yeah 
with all, the, the, all their other stuff, right? It's like out of sight. Kids should yep. be not heard or seen. And yeah. They need to be in their playroom. Like I know. Like growing up, we had a living room that we as kids didn't ever go in. Yeah. Like it even had plastic on the couches. Yeah. Like it just, and I'm like, what did we ever do with that room? Yeah. You know? Yeah, right? <laughs> it's so stupid. But I feel like it's such a struggle. Like talking with you is so refreshing because well, one, I just love your philosophy, but I, it's also because it's grounded in like theory and neuroscience theory and evidence and, you know, a bunch of stuff. And I feel like this is what's important for parents is to be reminded and affirmed of what many of us already believe. Totally. And I also have a really good friend who's a developmental psychologist and I call her up and I'm like, I just need you to remind me that what I'm doing is the right thing. Yeah. Because subtle or overt messages are coming all around and it's totally. really It's hard. a really big force. Yeah. yeah. Which is, that's it. Like, I think people just need to be so educated on it. Yeah. Like, be able to, like, visualize the brain circuit that they're... Yeah that they know they're helping because yeah. the evidence is it's it's yeah it's I know. scary I mean that's so much of what I do yeah it's like people will call me and be like my kid's crying in the car seat like I feel bad like that's too much crying yeah. and blah 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 I'm like well how do you feel about it they're like well I I need to go to the store yeah and like I'm in the car so like you can hear me I'm like that's great yeah like that's that you're doing the right thing right like yeah. you're living your life yeah. All the re- the 99 other minutes of the day, whatever percent of the time, is yeah. responding. Yeah. I feel like it's, like, helping parents, like, get grounded in their philosophy. Yeah. Like, what is your, yeah. your yeah. parenting philosophy? And I don't mean, like, what did you read? Yeah. And what did someone tell you? But, like, what are you at your core? Which is just your intuition. Yes. But what are your core do you know? And when I can reconnect with that frequently, then I feel... Like, I feel grounded because, you know, yeah. I'm like, okay, right. This is what I believe. This is what I believe. Yes. Because commitment, like that was, I have this quote in my book is like, commitment is so freeing. Yeah. You don't need to make any yep. decisions. You don't have to like wrestle with critic, the critic in your head or coming from other sources, right? You're like, I'm committing to being a responsive parent. Yeah. Like when my kid has needs, they will always be met. Yeah. Um, within reason yeah totally. right like 70 30 the 70 30 yeah um yeah that's that's it and that's what I think I I wonder when people have a philosophy that's like a, I mean I'll say it like I sometimes I think people are just really selfish their philosophies yeah. are really selfish um how do you decide when to respond and when not to yeah I know it's when like it's even for yourself for you. it's in I guess it's when it's convenient yeah yeah and then you're mad at the other times if you're forced into it for some reason right but I feel like that's harder because then it's like each time is a, is a decision yeah right or each time is like do I believe that that my kid has that's another thing that kills me do I do I believe my kid has a valid reason for being upset right now I know so sometimes the kid's upset and their parents like nothing happened yeah I know like nothing happened get out of here yeah or if, like, they see them smash their head, they're like, oh, okay, that's right. a valid reason for being upset, so I am going to yeah. well, that's be it. there for you now. Whether you see it or not, it's, like, the physical versus, like, the not physical yes, or the emotional. that's true also. And I even fall into that. It's, like, you know, when Asher is teething or has a fever, he's very needy, and so he's with me all the time, and I'm, like, I've got a lot of space for it when I know that it's one of those things. Right. 
but sometimes he's teething and I don't know yet and he's getting really needy and I find myself not having as much space for it because I'm like in my head like what is wrong why are you doing this yeah. it's like I might not know it might just be an emotional need maybe he had a scary dream yeah. that was really traumatizing exactly and even as a psychologist I forget that those are, are valid yeah but it's the same way we discount mental health yeah for over physical health yeah exactly so. but that's it I feel like if you are committing to be just responsive and committing to the science that we know that if yeah. like they're not gonna be that way beyond like yeah. four plus. I mean kids always have needs but yeah it's not gonna be that frequent yeah. if you're just like I am going to respond to all of them yep then you don't have to put yourself in some kind of weird decision tree. Yeah. Um, and also knowing that responding is making them more independent and strong and healthy, right? Yeah. Like, that's yeah. That's it. But, yeah, that's a good point, like, you're, when you don't know. Yeah. It's hard because then, yeah, you have but to But is it then... the fear that it's like, oh, my kid's going to be such a yep. clingy, annoying person? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And those are not messages from my own head. Yeah. Those are coming from somewhere else. Yeah. 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 And, you know, actually, as we're thinking about this, I'm thinking about my mom. My mom's, like, amazing, and she intuitively parented like that, very responsive. I wasn't a particularly needy baby, so she didn't have to do that with me, but my brother was. Right. And she just, like, naturally, like, even into his teenage years, she was, like, she would go pick him up at that crazy party. Like, she right. would do anything yeah. to, to save him. And, and he's so respectful to her. Like, they have such a That's good relationship. Yeah. And my dad was always, like, you're babying him you're and he said that to me with asher already right you know even though like he, he also says oh asher's thriving and he's so good at this and you can see he's like whatever mm-hmm. i'm like well why do you think that is yeah. like you know do you think it's because we ignore him <laughs> no <laughs> yeah so but then there's that relationship and so that's influencing my thoughts yeah you know because i grew up hearing my dad say that about my mom with my brother Totally. You know, and then there's all the and other messages. Else. Yeah. yeah. But then I think about your mom and how you were raised. Yeah, she did it yeah. intuitively too. I right. think her, my grandmother was like that a bit as well. Right. So you come by this naturally or genetically or yeah. whatever. And then your education and background just like reinforces it. Yeah. And gives you a really amazing place to speak from. Yeah. And I remember, like I have a... I guess because of the way I was, I have I have a very clear memory of what it, what I needed then really? too. Really? Wow. And I cannot imagine. Wow. I cannot. Because I was, like, clingy, if you yeah, will. Yeah. I, I was shy. I needed to be close to my mom or my grandmother a lot. Yeah. Like, growing up, like, way past, like, infancy. Wow. Um, and if I didn't have that, like, I don't know where. I know. I don't know what it would have happened. Yeah. I know. It's heartbreaking to imagine that that is how some kids have to yeah. grow up. Yeah. I just think, I think that it's, like, everyone's still, like, oh, well, no one knows, like, all this stuff. It's, like, we really do. I'm glad that you and I can at least be, like, the beginning of a voice to tell people. Like, I think it's just, like, I said before, like, let's cut the crap. Like, we, we're not going to, like, like, every scientific meeting. Like, I went to SFN. I probably saw 30 presentations on this. Really? Yeah. Wow. Um... I go to like psychotherapy meetings. Yeah. They every psychotherapist and analyst knows this. Um, yeah. But but parents need to know. I know. Like it's just it. Like it's enough. Yeah. Um, because people, parents. This is the one a really good thing. Even if we end here, is that every parent loves their kid so much, and I truly believe 
wants to do the absolute best thing. Yeah. So all of these like misconceptions and stuff are um, like they come by it honestly, right? It's like I don't want to spoil my kid. Yeah. I my kid needs to sleep. I need to make them cry so that they sleep. Like they yeah. need that, right? Yeah. Like those are all genuine things. Like no one's like trying to yeah do any of that right it's all like I really love them um I yeah I had someone I had someone in my life who had like a very bad addiction issue and like from I I'm not the family therapist and I have a yeah it's not like a clinical case but I could see I knew what she was treated like as a baby and like her mom loves her yeah and she loves her mom and the family and there's so much love and it's wonderful but it's like so unfortunate that she was treated a certain way as a baby and probably had susceptibility genes yeah like in her dopamine system yeah um that wired her reward and you know all this stuff she has to feed that sort of like circuit whatever it is emptiness um with drugs that she didn't get the responsiveness as a baby um I know a lot of people like that not necessarily addicts but people with like anxiety and depression and addiction all different things and you know their families are so loving and their parents would do anything for them but they just didn't know yeah they had the wrong voices around them or they were in the wrong time like they were a product of the time they were in or everything and I think now is the time of information and maybe it's not in some places um but it should be like we have so much information I guess the problem is like big data there's too much information now and like how does anyone who's not who can't read a journal I know but that's why they need these kind of voices yeah and yeah and I guess it's like part of what I'm trying to be conscious of is like how I'm sharing these ideas yeah I mean I tend towards being very opinionated and um and so I'm trying to balance that out so that it is informational yeah um yeah I think you have a huge role like you yeah I I love your work how's your book coming can you tell me how your book's coming it's okay I think I've actually been doing more practical work like I've been creating the workshops um and the workshops are in the end are like outlines of my book so like the pregnancy brain health chapter is you know now I have like a really complete outline for that and I'm going to do the infancy one good um so that's it too I think like the point you just raised is really important like you have to have sensitivity and give this information to people in a way that they can handle it yeah um I think you saying like everyone loves their kids so much like the way even the way you said that was so like sincere and authentic and you really believe that and so that's going to come out it obviously comes out in your work and so you know then it's not you're not judging no yeah absolutely and that's it too is working with the families I work with if people are you know I'm not changing people's minds they're not my kids like obviously I want everyone to have good mental health like that's the point of what I'm doing but like, if a parent's doing something that, like, I know is really harmful, yeah. and I give them information and they don't use it, yeah. I'm like, okay, well, where are all the other places that we can, like, that you're right. open, that we can, like, really strengthen? Because then maybe we can get to that 70%, yeah. and, like, that 30% thing that's not great for their mental health is still going to happen, but, yeah. like, let's tip the scale yeah. in yeah. the right way. So that's another another way of doing it. But, yeah, that's so the really book good. is, like, 
I feel like it's a living document yeah. right now. <laughs> <laughs> it was impossible to write without working with people, which is, oh, is sort of where I started. And so it's being influenced a lot by yeah. by this now. That's um, good. Do you, yeah. can I ask if you have a timeline on it or like? I wish. I think I would really like to have, I have half of it written right now. Yeah, and that's great. And I don't like a lot of it. Like I need to, I mean, like you wrote a book, you know, yeah. it's like, you, it's never over. Like it's never over. But it also took 12 years and it went through many iterations and I don't know that it should have. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so. exactly. So I know, I, mean, I need a timeline. I would love to have it, a rough copy done in January. Okay. And then edit it throughout the winter and then like next spring maybe be able to go to publishers and try to okay. and try to get it out that's kind of the idea yeah and hopefully work with a lot more people yeah. along the way too to like influence yeah but you'll also have a second book yeah so which is ultimately how I ended up just saying like I need to get this done like it's been too long and I know I'll have more things and I to be honest I hate I, I can't hate my book, but I know, I'm like, I <laughs> but I had to get it done, and you gotta get yeah, it done, get so it then done. you can get to the next one, and then it's just like it's because yeah. I'm sure it's great, but it's just you know all these other things, and yeah, there's just so much more you can do, yeah, right, and yeah. so you just have to like get yeah. it done, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's probably not like, did you like your thesis? Any oh, of your theses yeah. by the end? I didn't. <laughs> like you can't. Yeah. You read it just, too many times. Yeah. This is where abandonment, the, the art of abandonment is helpful. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get it so. done. Yeah. So that's sort of, that's, I hope is the, is the timeline. That's but, good. um, yeah, I don't know if I want to write another book. Really? <laughs> no, well, I, I not, do. But. I do. But it's like, it's, it's been really hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Do you think you need to write a book? I do. Yeah. I would like to. I think I would like to because... I would like, I would like people I work with, I would like people I don't work with yeah. to get it and like for people to read my book before we work together to kind of right. understand things or better. Or to follow or, up on. Yeah, exactly. Follow up on that kind of stuff. I have thought about, I do want to get it published. I do want to get it published, but I mean, we'll see what happens. If it doesn't, then I'm yeah. like, maybe I'll sell it online and yeah. my, myself or whatever and make it more accessible and yeah. And we'll see. I mean, one of the reasons why I ended up finally, like, publishing it was because I knew I could start charging more for lectures, yeah. like, keynotes. Yeah. Um, so that might be just, like, a practical business exactly. reason to get it done, too. It's also, pu- like, publicity, right? Yeah. Like, it's, like... Yeah, it becomes a marketing tool. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, I mean, a, a lot of people will want to go and get more than just the, like, workshop space that you have for them. Yeah. So. But it doesn't have to be perfect. No, it can't be perfect. <laughs> Seventy thirty. Exactly. There's That's no good. chance. Okay. Well, let me. Oh wow. 